You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology and the songs that we sing. My name is Pastor Joel. Okay, welcome to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Pastor Joel, as you've just heard, and today I'm joined by another good friend of mine. His name is Kirk Sowers. His name is similar to mine that when you read it, you have no idea how to pronounce the last name, but his name is Kirk Sowers. Hello, Kirk. How are you? Good. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, we're doing this via phone, so if the audio quality is bad, I apologize, but uh, we we are not a high-dollar podcast yet. Hopefully, we'll get there, but, you know, we don't have the the super cool high-tech stuff, but uh, I want to give some more information about Kirk. Kirk uh, has been at First Presbyterian as the worship leader for about a year and a half, uh, and he, in doing that, serves as kind of the shepherd in that ministry and selects the songs and all those things, so... Kirk and I met uh, through Bob Coughlin, which I'm still trying to get him on this podcast. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, I, we met through Bob Coughlin's uh, Worship Matters Intensive that met last summer in, the, in June. And Kirk and I met there. Kirk is also a singer-songwriter. He has written uh, wonderful songs, a couple amazing songs. If you want to, you can find them on Spotify. I'm pretty sure, right, Kirk? Yep, Spotify, Apple, all that, all that stuff. If you guys want to check them out, they're really, really good. Uh, I love it. He's got a great voice um, and just writes really, really beautifully written songs for the church, and I, I love it. So they and they've they've blessed me as I've listened to them. I remember when um, your latest album or your latest single came out. Um, gosh, there's so much going on in my brain right now. <laughs> do what not, was it again? Uh, maybe do not fear. Yes. Okay. Ah, man, do not fear. I loved it, and I love the vibe of that whole song. I appreciate it. Um, I think yeah, you guys did. Did you record the the video for that in your church? I didn't. I, I just. I was at a random elementary school. <laughs> so, no way. Yeah, I was in an elementary school cafeteria. So, uh, <laughs> yep. You wouldn't have thought. By the way, we dressed it up, but I know it looked really, there, really good. There was some ice cream. There was an ice cream uh, bar machine right next to it, so you could go get one of those chocolate bars that we all had when we were in fourth grade. That is so funny. Well, there you go. You just you finished recording. You guys treated yourself. That's good. Exactly. All right, so let's get into it today. We're going to take a look at the song, specifically the more modern rendition of the song, The Solid Rock, uh, Cornerstone. Um, real quick, Cornerstone, the, the modern rendition, really all it was was just an added chorus, but that's okay. Uh, that was written by Edward Moat, Eric Legero, Jonas Mirren, and Reuben Morgan from Hillsong Worship, and that was kind of put out in 2012, uh, but uh, Kirk has some details about the original hymn, The Solid Rock, or Christ the Solid Rock, and uh, he's going to explain it right now. Yeah, uh, well, just in general, this song, for me personally, in my faith journey, has been very meaningful uh, mm. to the to the point where it was even the song where I wanted this song in my wedding, just because I felt like this this song has really anchored me through the years, uh, just in the in the gospel. Uh, <clears throat> it was written by a guy named yeah. Edward Moat, um, and uh, not a ton of super interesting backstory on it, other than really this is that I know of really the only song we sing by this hymn writer, and uh, so interesting. yeah, and he was a uh, he was sort of a blue collared guy. He he made cabinets, and he and he just kind of felt like on one day on the way to work, he felt like he needed to write a hymn. And uh, he he wrote a hymn. Kind of a cool story on it was 
the the very next day he had a friend whose wife was deathly ill uh and he didn't they they, they he invited him to come kind of minister to her i guess uh on her deathbed and they didn't have a hymn book present but he still had those lyrics in his pocket from the day before and so they sung the song and then uh his wife was so deeply ministered to in that moment that uh i guess a remote felt like he had something and he ended up actually publishing it and then years down the road hillsong <laughs> made cornerstone so kind of a kind of a cool uh kind of grassroots blue collared story of a guy who just loved the lord and wanted to write a, a hymn on the way to to work one day well, which is so cool too cuz he you know he uses a lot of um building metaphors right or yeah. or uh, or you know just very blue collar metaphors i really think that's really cool that it yep. um hits kind of home for him and um yeah so he's the original author and then this guy's from hillsong added some more to it yeah um makes total so sense so i love that you had it at your wedding that's so cool that's such a cool song to put it at your wedding was it where was it in your wedding uh you know i can't remember it was one of those moments where <laughs> Maybe we were like. Hopefully, your wife doesn't listen, <laughs> listen to this podcast. Maybe we were lighting a candle or something. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I can't remember any of that day. Kirk, I just know I'm, I was about to say, Kirk. Do you remember any of your wedding? <laughs> I really don't. That was that whole day was just a. Uh, it just blew by. It, it was crazy day, but best decision of my life. Amen. <laughs> it, best is so good of a decision. You it, you can't even remember. It, you've regressed exactly. And you've repressed it. Well, <laughs> let's take so one of the things we um we talk about when we talk about hymns, uh, and I I've, I've talked about and will talk about in the podcast on before or not before the be that my vision is a lot of this old language um, is not really accessible to the non Christian and young Christian, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a lot of these lines in this song. I mean, the lyrics are fantastic, right? You look at, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus's blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. So like that third line there, you know, can can be confusing. Or when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. What does it mean that my anchor holds within the veil? You know, yeah. Um, and um, that last verse, when he shall come with trumpet sound, or may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. What's What does it mean to be dressed in his righteousness, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so why don't we look at the, you kind of brought it up, but what does it mean when you say the sweetest frame? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think I, I love the way he comes out of the gates with this song is just this declaration that my only hope in life is nothing less than the righteousness of Christ. Amen. But then he he goes into this idea of I won't I won't dare I dare not trust the sweetest frame and you're kind of like well what what is this what does he mean by the sweetest frame yeah. and I think I think what he's really getting into is I think he's talking about uh, a frame of mind so to speak so in other yeah. in other words he's saying uh, you know when when everything around me is just clicking. And everything seems peaceful, and everything is affluent in health, and and I have have everything I need going as it should, quote unquote. I will not trust this moment. Uh, I will not trust the things I've done in this. I will not trust in myself and the things that I've done in this moment to build this moment. I will I will still only trust 
the the, the blood and righteousness of, of Christ for my hope. And and so uh, I, th- I think it's a really meaningful line that we miss a lot of times, especially in, uh, you know, say the American church, which uh, much of the American church uh, may ha- be affluent and may have a lot of health. And we've, yeah. we've got... Um, you know, we we've got a lot. We've got a lot of prosperity, and uh, and I think it's I think it's important to to come to a place where we say, even in the midst of this prosperity, um, my only hope and my only trust is still the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus. Mm. So, Amen. Yeah, it's it's um you know in this COVID nineteen really. Uh, put all that on uh, on blast when it comes to that trusting in the sweetest frame because I, I think it's really important what you said there there's a lot of earthly good common graces that the Lord has given to us um, it's it's not just that we're trusting in the wrong thing we're we're trusting the the sweet things the things that God's given us but we're trusting in them over the Lord uh, and then yes. when something like a pandemic hits we go oh wow we've put a lot more trust in the world than we thought. Uh, I think it's yeah. I think that's this song is really pertinent to today, and I think a lot of churches could would do well to sing, you know, not necessarily this version of the song, but just those those truths. You know, my hope is built on nothing less than than Jesus and His blood and in His righteousness. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, when we look at the next verse, when it talks about my anchor holds within the veil, um, just speaking to that for a second, you know. A lot of people might, a non-Christian would be like, what does that mean? One, what's what's the deal with the anchor or what's the veil? Um, this is actually a really clear allusion to Hebrews 6, yes. uh, 19 through 20. And I'll read it right now. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, Context for Hebrews, right? You know, I say this often when we're, we're talking about song. Let's be singing the best truth in the best context. So um, Hebrews, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is essentially a, a letter to the, the Hebrew people saying who have um, essentially taken the persecution of um, the Pharisees and, and the, the Jews at the time and, and said, um, okay, let's just go back to what we used to do. What, what's the Old Testament? Let's just go back to that. Let's not do this whole Jesus you know, died uh, for us kind of thing. Let's 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 not do that, uh, and let's just go back to what we know, right? And uh, the author of Hebrews is saying, no, that there's a reason why that's not what you're doing anymore, right? There's a reason why Jesus is better than all those. He's greater than all those things. He's greater than Melchizedek. He's, you know, yes, back then you would sacrifice and you would go through all these different things, but Jesus was sacrificed once and for all, right? And so. That's where we get this context for this verse. And so because of that, the author of Hebrews says, so we have this sure and steadfast anchor, right? In that time, you know, most people here today aren't doing anything with boating. Uh, you know, they're not sailing or anything. But an anchor, I mean, is huge for you if you're, if you're sailing or you're on a ship. That keeps your ship from being tossed to and fro from the waves and it keeps it grounded in the spot, right? Other than that, then you're just going to go wherever the wind and waves take you. And so... Uh, that's what he's saying. It's a sure and steadfast anchor, so it's not going to move. And then where is it not moving from? Well, it's not moving from behind the curtain. And that that's an allusion to, and the author of Hebrews says it, you know, back in the day, you had to have someone who would go intercede on, on behalf of the people. 
but they weren't even perfect. They were human, uh, and they were um, could could be struck down by the Lord because they weren't perfect. But Jesus is the perfect high priest uh, because he's without sin, and he goes in the holiest of holies where they would send the high priest with a rope around them just in case God would strike them down because they're unholy. Jesus goes in there, and then what he does is he tears the veil so now we can enter into that through Christ. And so that's what this this whole line means. But, uh, you know, we just explained all of that. That's that's a lot to explain to a church when you're doing this song. So uh, I think I've said this would be that my vision. I think it would be good to consider sometimes updating some of the language. And I think that's what Hillsong tried to do with their chorus, right? You know, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong, and the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord of all, right? And I, I think they tried to do that. I think they did it pretty well. Um, but it, it's important for us to understand what we're singing. And just because it's a hymn doesn't always mean it's going to be doing it as well as, you know, it could be doing it. And so, yeah, um, yeah I, think it's a, I think it's a good point uh, what you're making about um, what we need to remember where our, our hope lies and our trust lies, and that's in, in Jesus' blood and his righteousness and what he did on the cross. I mean, uh, that's, that's verse 3. A lot of this is Hebrews, right? We can go before the throne of God because of his righteousness alone. We are dressed and clothed in his righteousness. Um, but is there, is there anything else that you would add kind of talking about this song or unpacking any lines that you might think were confusing? Yeah, um, those are probably the main ones that, that, are, that might not be clearly you know, received just to somebody maybe singing it for the first time or maybe just not thinking yeah. too hard um, as they sing. But, uh, you know, I, I love verse 2 as just sort of the honest assessment of it. I, I think, um, you know, what I often, very, very often feel is darkness hide, mm-hmm. hiding me from the face of Christ. And, you know, the, the evil one had me blinded, but then Jesus broke through and he intervened, he saved me. But now the evil one, he can't blind me again, but he can he can try to... To hide hide me from the beauty and the glory and the face of Christ, he can use doubts and depression and uh, suffering and and uh, even self condemnation. You know all those things to bring and bear them upon your soul. And I, I love how this song leads you to that. Um, you know th- those things toss you back and forth, just as he talks about in the verse. It's like waves and and. In a storm, and they and they can just overwhelm. And but I love the anchoring that this song does. It anchors you in to the holy of holies, where Jesus is interceding for you. He never stopped interceding for you. His unchangeable uh, grace, his unchangeable uh, righteousness, is represented for you. Uh, it's such an anchoring promise to me. And I think yeah. I, I think a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, I've personally I've tried to use just maybe use scripture to prompt a verse. You know, sometimes just throw a, a, a take take ten seconds and and uh, you know between verses and prompt prompt that verse with Hebrews six. At least yeah. at least get that idea flowing into their minds as they're beginning to sing it. And it, and even just like uh, maybe it's with an idea with the sweetest frame trying to briefly explain that or just kind of do a brief little explanation of uh, saying um, a sweet frame is maybe a peace of mind or you know what I mean yeah, but just yeah. just helping people uh, kind of grasp what they're singing so they can sing it uh, 
you know, uh, within their hearts and, and, and knowing what they're saying. And I think all that's super important. Yeah, because, you know, our role, as we've been talking about, is to be the shepherd. And so, you know, whether you're reading Isaiah 28, 16, which is kind of, which is the, the, them talking, Isaiah talking about Jesus, you know, and the Lord saying, so I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I mean, you know, obviously talking about Christ, but um, it's, it's good to prepare our church. And if, you know, the cool thing for a lot of these hymns is that the lyrics are in the in the public domain. The arrangement may not be, but the lyrics are. And so if you as a singer-songwriter want to test your ability to say, how, how can I say this well that would help my church understand it? I think it's good to try that. I don't think there's anything wrong with adjusting the lyrics to help the non-Christian and the young Christian understand these better. Um, uh, because we, you know, Good Shepherd thinks about all of his flock, not just not just those who would be easy to, to convey it to. And I love what you're saying, Kirk. I think it's you know, if you have a church that has that one service and you have more time to unpack these things, do that. I think that's that's good. Put a scripture before the church, but um, and I know I know you do this a lot. But when you put that scripture, you give them an explanation to it because you have to remember, man. Not everyone, not everyone's going to read uh, the scripture the right way. You know, they're going to read it from their perspective, and so you know, we always want to make sure we're helping them out. And then, yeah, try try to adjust lyrics if you think you can. Um, but what what is what a beautiful truth is you're saying, man? Christ is our solid rock, and like that's, and no matter what, that's going to get us through this this day, whether it's COVID or something else. I mean, He is our sure and steadfast anchor, our cornerstone. It's Him. It's Christ alone. I love it. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have anything else to add before we go? No, I mean, I, I think I I I, I mean, just in, I guess in general, I do like what Hillsong did with the chorus. Um, I I thought it yeah. was a nice touch personally. Um, uh, I, I think not only I, I think they added a, a nice uh, chorus lyrically with just bringing the idea of Jesus as our cornerstone and and uh, you know his strength in our weakness through the storm. I think they do obviously do have did a great job too at really helping bring. Uh, the emotion of the song out really well too, which I really, yeah, I really, true. I really like what they did with that. So, yeah. So let's look at the three criteria that we use. Um, Christ exalting, I'd say definitely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I I think gospel centered. So it doesn't necessarily have to overtly talk about every aspect of the gospel. I think it's gospel centered, man. I'm, oh, it's yeah. talking about being dressed in His righteousness alone. It's talking about how. Uh, we trust in Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know, I, yeah, I think it's... Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and then congregationally friendly. I think I think it's 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 there. I, you, you made the joke before when we were talking about Cornerstone, how when Hillsong does it, you know, they do the octave and <laughs> the jump, and it's always super high when they do it. Uh, yeah, it's, that might not be the most congregationally friendly part. <laughs> yeah, that would be my only critique to the, to the song, just as a just as a person who goes to a very average church, you know, where I, I, yeah. I don't have uh, I don't have that kind of a setup that, um, you know, Hillsong may have and uh, where people can kind of get lost in the music. It's to, at our church, it's like, hey, our, our people really need to, and I think it's probably how it should be, that the, our singing is what is what carries the time. But, um, but I, you know, I, I've I've always struggled a little bit from a congregational standpoint with this song because of the octave change. So I'm either forced to, because I personally just can't do the octave change, nor does anybody want to hear me do the octave change. So, 
uh, nor do they want to do it themselves. So, so you just kind of, I need to, I've found with this song, I need to, personally, I've just need to find one, I need to stay in one octave. So I need to, I either need to yeah. choose a lower register or a higher register. Or, yeah. And so I, sometimes I feel like I lose what the song is supposed to be because I can't, I, I, I can't hit that high note where right. they really yeah. hit, you know. Yeah. So that's my only thought uh, from a congregational standpoint. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. The original six eight kind of way that the the song's written is really good. I think that's easy for a lot of church to pick up because there's no, there's no clapping that they have to do. It's just you just kind of sway with the six eight. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I think you know in the original rendition, the the congregationally friendly part was probably there, and uh, Cornerstone added that octave, which makes it a little tough. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, overall, I, yeah, I'd say my my verdict as 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 a pastor, as Pastor Joel, would be that I think it's a great song. I think it's a good song to be singing right now in the context of the pandemic, reminding your church where their hope really lies. And the Cornerstone version isn't bad if you if it fits your church, do it. Um, and I yeah, just I I would do this song. I think it's a song you could do often too because it's. Yeah. It will always be true. It's not just uh, specific for the context of maybe a sermon or a passage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it and it's a it's a faster one. So if you're a church that likes to do fast openers or a fast closing song to kind of send people off, great for both. Uh, so I think it's a valuable addition to people's songs. Absolutely, I, I would kind of classify it uh, as sort of. Uh, no pun intended with the lyrics, but an anchoring song. It really is. There's. <laughs> It's it. Oh, that was good. It truly does. Uh, it, it anchors you in the blood and righteousness of Jesus. So even in the last verse, it anchors you in your future glory and helps you let Amen. helps you let go of this life and hope and be prepared and be ready for the life to come. Uh, yeah. In in, uh, in glory. So. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Kirk. We're obviously going to stay on the line, but we're going to end the podcast here because we are over 20 minutes and I want to be uh, careful with my listeners to not burn them out. I'm trying to keep it. I try to keep these around 15 and it's fine that we went over 22 because I love talking with you about this. But thank you so much for being on this podcast. Definitely going to have you on more. Um, If you guys, like you said, look for Kirk Sowers on Spotify and places like that. He's posting out music there. Uh, he has a Facebook page too. You can friend request him. I'm sure that wouldn't be weird. Uh, but Great. yeah, thank you, man. If you guys ever have any questions, submit them to theologyandmusic at gmail.com or you have suggestions or anything like that, just let me know. But uh, with that, you guys have a wonderful day and let's just continue to be singing the best truths in the best context. See ya.